Good evening, everyone. Uh, we're continuing our series, Mesilat uh, Yesharim, Path to the Just, the Ramchal Lutzato. Hope everyone had a great Passover. Before Passover, we had, uh, we are in chapter 19. All together is 26 chapters. I believe in two or three more lectures we should finish the series in English. Uh, I also do it in Hebrew. Over there it's a little bit longer. But uh, before, before Passover, we came to, we in the middle of chapter 19, and we finished with the words of Ezra Sofer, that was speaking to Hashem and wrote, Eloi boshti v'nichlamti laharim panai elecha. I'm ashamed and embarrassed to pick up my head, to lift my head up towards you from the, the shame, the embarrassment of my sins. And I emphasize that this is someone who, if you want to review his entire life, probably you won't even find one sin. It's not people like us that makes a sin every hour or two, you know, or some of us every second, depends. This is someone who was so, so careful in front of Hashem, in front of God all his life, and this is what he writes. How much uh, of a chance it leaves us, you know, it's, uh, when we see such thing, but the truth is that the people reach this level because they reach this level because of learning and being close to Hashem. That's why they reached that level that they felt every little tiny sin for them was a huge, a huge deal. It wasn't like today, ah, okay, so I made a sin. No, not the end of the world. Life moves on, you know, life goes on. It was a different thing. Uh, so that's where we ended. And uh, the Ramchal continued, the Ramchal says that one of the ways to show that a person loves Hashem, he loves God, is when, uh, when a person does the mitzvot in the most beautiful way. If a person does it in a beautiful way, just check if it's recording, see if it says REC. I know, I, I, no, no, in a, on a screen. On a screen, does it say REC on it? Mm -hmm. Yeah? yeah. Uh, in red? Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I just wanted, I didn't remember if I clicked on it. All right, anyway, so uh, it says, this is, uh, this is my God, and I have to do everything in a most beautiful way in front of him. So if you buy a talit, buy the nicest one. We are only talking about people who can afford, people who hardly make a living, they don't have what, buy kosher one, it's good. But if you have extra money, you invest in your car, you invest in your clothing, you invest in your watch, you invest in your vacation. You're not just taking whatever you get. You're choosing the best things. When it comes to mitzvot, it's needless to say, you have to be more careful to do it in the most beautiful way. So when you get filin, get the best one. Don't get in the middle or barely kosher. Invest another two, three hundred dollars and get something, it's something that would last for 30 years at least. It will not be even a penny a day. Invest, it's worth it. It's a covenant with Hashem, one of the three covenants. Okay, and you know, in any other way, lulav, etrog, sukkah, whatever you can do in the most beautiful way, you do in the most beautiful way. And uh, when, when it gets to a point that uh, the name of Hashem in the Torah is El Kavod, the God of honor, and then we have an obligation to respect him in the best way that possible. And Chazal also says that uh, we have to be very careful not to have any mitzvah, any commandment that we don't like. 
We have to work on ourselves to get to a situation that none of the mitzvot will be not important enough for us. It's called bzuyot. Bazui means, ah, can care less about it. If we, get, if we, God forbid, have a mitzvah or two that we think about it, ah, that's not for me, that's not to my style, you know, it's primitive, whatever, everyone with his, uh, with his thoughts. If a person, person thinks on a mitzvah in a disrespectful way, that's already a serious problem. Also, uh, you know, there's ways to do certain things. For instance, if you roll the Sefer Torah, you don't hold the cloth, the parchments, you don't touch with your hands, you need a special thing. Chazal says someone who holds the Sefer Torah, Erom, Nikvar Erom. There's few explanations for it. One is that you hold it without the cover of it, with your hands. Some, also it could be Erom, that your body is naked. You touch the Sefer Torah and you're not modest. Uh, so, uh, the, you know, one way or the other, the idea is the same. If you disrespect the Sefer Torah, the Torah scroll, then God forbid, you nikvar arom. What do you mean nikvar arom? Everyone is, is in the end when he's buried, who cares if he's naked or not? So first of all, they put they cover everyone. You know, when they bury them, but arom could be arom for mitzvot also. Naked, I mean, empty, empty-handed. You lose your mitzvot because of that. And someone who stands in front of Hashem to pray, he has to dress properly. Doesn't come with shorts, slippers, uh, all kinds of clothes with drips. Or if he's a mechanic and he's full of grease and dirt, he comes like this and stands in front of Hashem. Of course, if he doesn't have a choice, it's better he daven like this than not to daven at all. But if you're already fine, at least live in a shul, a jacket, or a pants to replace, or to wear on top of it, that you look respectful. Just like when you stand in front of a, a, a king, or a president, or a prime minister, you won't dare to show up like this. And if the people tell you, how do you dare to meet the president with your clothing, the work, with all the dirt, what are you going to say? No, well, it was a burden for me to go and replace, exchange my clothes. You would come properly to the meeting. He is not more important than Hashem, and it's, uh, it's obviously, you know, it's clear. Also, for instance, Shabbat. Shabbat come. You have to respect Shabbat in the best way. Not to respect your stomach. Many people confuse between respecting their stomach to, re to respecting Shabbat. They only care about the food, how delicious it's going to be, and how fancy it's going to be. And that's not, they're not really doing it for Shabbat. They're doing it because they have desires. We are talking now everything, the clothes, the table, the house, clean, organized, everything Lichvot Shabbat. And everything a person does, does it in the best way for Shabbat. And if you finally buy meat, usually buy cheap meat, for Shabbat he buys expensive meat. Uh, if he buys ordinary wine during the week, if Bichlal he drinks wine during the week, I don't know why you need to drink wine during the week. Well, if a person drinks wine, Shabbat he has to drink a nicer wine. Uh, if he has a regular talit during the week, make a special, nice, clean, fancy one for Shabbat. And many other examples, you know. So the Gemara gives many examples of the Tanaim, of the holy rabbis, how they used to prepare for Shabbat, even the wealthy one. Even the ones who had servants, they still did at least one thing, the Chvot Shabbat. They prepared the meat, they prepared, you know, the hot water, all kinds of things that they had to do. They did it for Shabbat to show and to teach everyone that it's an honor to work for Shabbat, to serve Shabbat, to respect Shabbat. It's not a burden, it's an honor, you know, because we're serving the king of all kings. Uh, also, a person has to be clever. 
a person has to be sneaky only when it comes to mitzvot. When it comes to business and things like this, there's no permission to be sneaky. You don't want to be a snake. You have to be honest and decent and humble, etc. But when it comes to mitzvot, you have to be sneaky. What does it mean? You have to be sneaky against your evil inclination, against the Satan. The Satan is always fooling you. Go here, go there, don't go here, don't go there. You got to be clever to be more clever than him. Because if you let him win, in a month or two he destroy you. You cannot do anything. Which means you're always going to self. I'll give you an example how you become sneaky with your evil inclination. If you know you have problem getting up in the morning. One time you tried, you fell. One time you tried, you fell. Another time you fell. So you get up late, you miss the minyan, you pray at home, you're in a rush to work. Instead of an hour, you pray five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Everything is one, two, three. You don't think about one word of what you say. And it's been becoming a habit. After a month or two that you go like this, you may now stay like this for the rest of your life. And that's a, that's a disaster. So what do you do? You see once, twice, three times you fail, you put the tefillin in a shul. That's how you become tricky against him. Now you get up, the alarm goes off, 6.45. You have to be in shul 7. Oh, I have five more minutes. That's okay, I'll get 7.15, I still make it. And it's already 7.10, that's okay, 7.30, I make the barichu, it's also something. And by the end, 9 o'clock, you're still snoring. No kriyat shma, no nothing. So what do you do? If you know your tefillin is over there, you have no choice. Well, yeah, what's the problem? You have no choice, you gotta run. Otherwise, they close the shul at 8 o'clock something, the shul is closed, you don't have tefillin. What are you gonna do? Not that bad to miss mitzvah, one of the covenants, to miss tefillin. You know the Gemara says someone who missed tefillin is a criminal. You don't want to be a criminal. So you have no choice. Because of the tefillin is over there, you are forced to get up. Or if you, another example, you invite a guest to sleep by you. From Hashem, you're not embarrassed. From, from the rabbi, you are embarrassed. So good, rabbi, stay by me. Why? The two weeks is going to be by you. You're going to be forced to get up. Embarrassed from him. You know, you're going to see you sleeping until nine. It's an embarrassment. That's called be a room in mitzvot. Or penalize yourself. Say to your friend, here is a thousand dollars by you. Keep it. Every time I don't show up in the morning, twenty dollars put in the tzedakah box from the money. What happened? Believe me, after once or twice, oh, you already, you already went down to nine hundred. Really? You're going to come on time. And many other examples, right? You come to a, a wedding, you drink, your wife gets upset, you do silly things, right? So what do you do? If you know that you, you know, you're a weak character and your wife cannot stop you and nobody can stop you, so get somebody really strong and tell him, when you see, when you see me touching alcohol, break my bones. Here, I give you permission. You give me one smack that I will be afraid to touch it. Watch me, your uncle, your friend. Why? Because if you're not going to watch me, I'm going to end up messing up the whole place like I usually do with my nonsense and my all kinds of things, you know? So whatever I cannot do on my own, let somebody help me to do. That's called be arom be mitzvot. And there's many other examples, you know? Uh, you know, I can give you thousands of examples. If a person, if, uh, if someone picks you up, all right, so you know there's no choice, he's waiting for you, you're embarrassed, so you get up. So all the things that a person does, you park your, your car in a place that seven o'clock, if you don't move it, seven or one, you already get $110 ticket. So you don't get up for Hashem, you get up for the 100 bucks, it's better than nothing, right? 
So thanks to that, mitoch shelo lishma ba lishma. You ended up coming to shul on time. Okay, then the Chazal also say in Masechet Ketubot, page 103, One way to show that you love God is to respect his followers. Right? If someone loves your father, automatically you love him. If there's few people who admire and respect your father and help him in all kinds of things at work, in his personal life, automatically you become a lover of these people. Why? You love your father, you love them. They love your father, they become your friends. The enemies of your father automatically becomes your enemy. The lovers of your father automatically become your lovers. It's very simple. It's very, it makes sense. So if you see someone who fear and respect God and does everything for his sake, for the sake of heaven, of course you have to love them. How can you not love if you find someone who sits and learns Torah all day, you don't know him, but you see him every day in yeshiva, learning serious books. His life is in the holiness of the Torah. You have to fall in love with him. Because you see how much this person loves Hashem, how can you not love him? Or a person that gives a lot of tzedakah to the poor people, have mercy on everyone, helps them. Automatically you fall in love with him. If you're not falling in love with him, something by you is not right. It cannot be. If you're not admiring this person for living according to the Torah, you know you are a loser, but he's a winner. You have to try to imitate him and love him as much as you can. Thank you. If not, something is not right here. So the, the Chazal brings an example in Masechet Ketubot on Yehoshaphat, the king of Judah. Once he saw a Talmid Chacham, someone who knows Torah, he's a king. King with servants in a palace. He got up and ran and were kissing their hands and kissing their heads and bowing down to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, my teacher, come, have a seat, sit him in the head of the table, serve him like he's, like he's a servant of a king. Why? He was a righteous king who respected the Torah. It's nothing personal. You don't love or hate someone personally. Someone makes a lot of sins, you don't really hate him. You hate his actions. If someone is a righteous person who loves the Torah and live according to the Torah, you don't really love him. You love his actions. But when you love someone, or you love his action, or when you hate someone, or hate his action, it's the same feeling. You cannot separate between loving his body and loving his actions. For you, it's one thing. It's very difficult for Hashem. When Hashem is upset when someone does something wrong, he obviously takes everything into consideration, and he can separate what kind of love and hate relationship he can have with someone. But we, for us, very difficult to say, oh, you know, I really don't hate him, but I really hate his actions. It's very difficult to tell the, the, the difference. If you hate his action, it's basically uh, you don't like that person. But really, a person has to have in his mind, I really don't wish him any bad. I hope he's going to be righteous and make tshuva. I don't, I'm not going to be happy to see him destroyed like wicked, in a his, wicked people in history. I wish it would be righteous that he'll get rewarded. And that's really the way, that, the approach that we should take. And now let's talk about the love, of, the love to Hashem. Even though today many people live in illusion thinking they're lovers of Hashem, I tell you that many of them hallucinate. They're very far from being lovers of Hashem. But let's at least read what's the requirements to become a lover of Hashem. How a person can become a lover of Hashem. And then we know if we are near this category, or we are in this category, or we can dream to be in this category based on our behaving. Let's see. So we can divide the love to Hashem to three different categories. One is happiness. 
how happy we are serving him. We serve him with depressed face, with angry face, almost crying that we have to do something, or oh, full of joys and happiness and feel the luckiest person in the world that you have the opportunity to be so close to the creator of the world and do what he told you to do. That's a big difference between one side to another. Of course, there are different levels, but you understand that we are talking someone who does it and barely wants to do it, but he forces himself because he's afraid of the punishment, but definitely is not happy from doing what he does, to someone that even without reward will do it. Even if he knew 100% that God told him clearly, you will not get any reward, nothing. Nothing whatsoever. He will continue to do it with happiness. That's a, the ultimate level of a lover of Hashem. Whether I get something, whether I not, I'm happy to do it. I'm honored that I have the opportunity to follow your instruction. It's a great level. The second category is Dvekut. How close, closeness, how close you are. You're able to stick to him, mamash, strong, holding or no? That's called Dvekut. Devek, it's glue. Dvekut means to be glued to something. Kinah, it's really not jealousy. Kinah in Hebrew can be translated to two different, in two different ways. The regular kinah is jealousy. You're jealous that something, someone has something. <laughs> but then also there's another word, kinah, which, which means to be zealous, which means you are respecting and honoring Hashem so much. If someone does something that is a major violation, you're willing to do everything to prevent him from doing it. Even if, it, if in the end you have to do something drastic just to prevent the sin, like we saw in the time of the Talmud that some of the rabbis, when they saw a non-modest woman wearing something horrible on the street, they went and ripped it off her, that she will never ever wear it again because just seeing her how she dressed, they couldn't tolerate that she tomorrow will wear the same thing. The Gemara gives an example of one of the rabbis did it, and in the end it wasn't a Jew, it was a Goya. So from here we see that there was not that, that such, so much difference between the way the Jews dressed to the way the Goim dressed. Because today you can know right away a religious Jew to the rest of the world, a religious woman to the rest of the world. You can see right away the difference. But in their time, even the Goim were modest. So all of a sudden you saw one non-modest woman, in the end it was, it was not Jewish, and he had to pay her money for the damage that he made. Today there are zealous people for instance, when they see fair coats, they come with spray and run $80,000 coat, mink, uh, fox, all these expensive, schmancy coats. Sometimes cost twenty, thirty, fifty thousand $50,000 a coat. So they come and spray on their coat. Why? Because many animals got killed to make this coat. So they want to create fear that many people would not buy fair coats. The, le the less people would buy fair coat, less animals would die. So they're willing to give their life to save animals, which is a positive thing to have mercy on the animals, but there are things that is a billion times more important. That part, they don't care. They don't care about that. They see a terrorist blow a bus with kids, Jewish kids, they smile, they don't care. They see someone uh, kill the fox to make a coat, they're willing to give their life for the fox. So what, the fox is better than this human being? It's better than the black people in Africa that since they're 10 years old, they already make them slaves and give them machine guns and, and torture them and make them monsters before they even know about life. They already become murderers because they force them. All, the, all kinds of evil things that happens in the world doesn't bother them. Someone killed the animal to make a coat, ooh, they're willing to die for it. You understand? 
Some people are zealous when it comes to abortions. Jews, Christians, they know that it's murder, 100% murder, no, no exception. So they give their life. They lay there, they put bombs, they blow the clinic. They're willing to sit 20 years in prison to save strangers' life. They don't know these babies. That's called zealous. A person is zealous. There's an obligation to get to a level that you're zealous to Hashem, that when you see a Jew does something horrible, you're willing to give everything to prevent it. That's called kinah, kanai Hashem. Who was in the Torah a zealous person? Pinchas. Parasha in the Torah, parashat Pinchas, chapter of Pinchas. Hashem say, I'm giving him a special covenant, peace, covenant of peace. I'm making an, ex- an exceptional covenant with Pinchas. Shalom. For what? For killing a Jew who had relation with the Goya. Because the Torah said Jews are not allowed to mix with any other nation, even the most righteous Gentile in the world, the Jew is not allowed to marry them. And since he did it, and it was a big Chilul Hashem, because he was the head of a tribe, and she was a non-Jewish princess, it was a horrible thing, when the leaders do such a thing in public. So Pinchas took a spear and killed both of them, and not only is not a murderer, in the Torah it says that I'm giving him a huge reward for doing the right thing. So that's called Kanai Hashem. So let's move on. So the love to Hashem that a person has strong desires to do as much as more and more to Hashem. Not to do one thing and go to sleep for three hours. Do another thing and take six hours rest. No. He's looking every minute. What else can I do to make God happy? Charity. Kindness, learning Torah. You can create yourself mitzvot every second of your life. Some mitzvot you must do. You have to put fill in every morning. Time comes, you gotta do it. You have to pray, you have to pray. But some things, it's a choice. No one's forcing you now to go do kindness. No one is forcing you to give charity to every person you see. The more you do, the more mitzvot you do. So basically, you're putting yourself in a position that you'll be able to keep extra mitzvot. That's a lover of Hashem. Also, running after holiness, working on his modesty, watching his eyes, elevating his spirituality. That's a lover of Hashem. Just like he loved his first love, the Ramchal writes. The best love, it's the life of when you're a teenager. First love in your life, I don't know, today, 16, 17, first time in your life, you fall in love with a girl, she smiled to you, a minute later, you already cannot focus in class for a month now, you, you got fell in everything, why a girl smiled to you? But imagine if we went a little bit further, Hashem Yerachem, and the scenes began, and now it's already, it already feels like she's his wife already, it's his avat neurav. The love of his, uh, of his uh, childhood, whatever, a person cannot focus on nothing. Not what he eats, not what he does, he doesn't care, he has a job, doesn't care, he has a job. Nothing bothers him anymore. All he cares about is the love that's waiting for his phone call. Imagine if we get to a level that we love Hashem like you love your first love from high school. Think about it. If a person gets to this level, how great life would be. And I know many people like this. Many, well, in relation to the world, there's not that many. But I know, I can, I can count in a substantial amount of people that I met in my life that are in this level. 
If you remember in my lecture that I made in uh, Miami Beach, it's on my website, I showed this tzaddik in Monsi how he prays, how he runs, how he screams, how he jumps, how he's connected to Hashem Mamash, with such passion. You know, you, don't, you cannot even imagine such thing. His level is great even according to 2,000 years ago. Not, not, not to talk about this generation, is one of a kind. This is a way a person loves to pray to Hashem. Next to my home, there's a shul. Four and a half hours, they pray on Shabbat, and they love it. They sing Hallel, 50 minutes. Everywhere else, five, ten minutes the most. Over there, 50 minutes. Singing, taking it easy. Everyone is happy. Why? They're happy to be in a synagogue and pray to Hashem. Some other places, before he came in, he began to look at his watch. <laughs> Well, you know, when is it going to be over, this burden? That's how we think. He forget that Hashem reads his mind. Imagine he come in front of Hashem and say, you really prayed? You suffered. You're not really calling me. You are tired of me. Don't tell me stories. Person comes to do mitzvah and ended up making a sin. So, כמו שאוהבת אשת נעוריו, לרמחל say. First Shiduch, you went on. You fell in love with a girl. You cannot count the minutes until you're going to get married. That's what's going on. Every time the phone rings, he runs to the caller ID. Ah, it's not her. It's like a knife in a heart when he found out it's not her. No, when? It's already three minutes from the last phone call. That's a love to Hashem. There are people who feel like this when the relationship with God. Think about it. And every one of us can get to this level. No exception to the rule. Every person can get to this level. Of course, some people naturally are more spiritual. It's easier for them. But even the ones who are not so natural, so spiritual, if they really focus and work very hard, they'll get to this level. And you know what's the best part is? Well, if you get to this level, for the first time in your life, you'll be free from all the nonsense, from the love of material, from the nonsense around this world, honor, respect, ego, Jealousy, anger, laziness, all these things are gone in a minute. Gone. Why? Because you finally reach this level. What is it like? You have in a water that you did not boil, there's tons of germs. Ah, thousands, maybe millions, I don't know. Life risk. Once you hit the water, the harder it gets, it kills more and more germs. It gets to 80 degrees Celsius, it's pasteurizing it. 80 degrees, most of the germs are gone. This is like the grape juice. How a grape juice can stay on a shelf two years in a supermarket or in a factory? Well, it was done more than a year ago. How? You, you make natural, you squeeze grapes, two, three days later, it's become vinegar. You open it, it's like opening a bottle of seltzer. How is it in a supermarket for months? because they pasteurize it to 80 degrees, but they don't kill all the germs. Why? Because 80 degrees doesn't kill the taste. There's another way, sometimes you have to do it 100%, because it's, you know, if you don't do it 100%, eventually it will get spoiled. Once you boil it, you kill all the germs, but you also ruin the taste. So they want to keep the taste authentic, so they only heat it to 80 degrees, or sometimes 70 degrees Celsius, and they take it off. So a person that gets to this level, all you need is one second that the water are boiling and everything is dead. From that moment on, your life will never be the same. If you reach, you taste it from that taste. The stipler, the father of Avchaim Kanievsky, when he used to learn Torah, 
from time to time he used to guard up and dance around the table. If you look at him, you, do, you wouldn't know he's a holy man. You think he's crazy. This is the ability of the Torah, what he can do to a soul of a person. And I know I, it sounds like Chinese. All you have to do is to cry to Hashem why you're not in this level. If you cry, that means you understand how far you are from him. Maybe one day you get there. If you don't cry about your situation, there's no chance you're ever going to get there. You understand what I'm saying here? First, a person has to realize, I'm so far that I better cry. I don't cry for my situation. <laughs> that means I'm okay. I'm happy with what I have. <laughs> That's really no chance. The future is not looking so bright. So loving is Eshet Neurav, his first love, or his only son. Third years he waited for the son. Finally he got one. Give his life for him. Every little scratch, right away he leaves work, he runs. What happened? Moshe ah, it's only a little bleeding. No, let's run to the doctor. Why? It's not a, he doesn't have 10 kids. He got used to it. Already commercial. Okay, yeah, enough. Go put some ice, leave me alone. That's a special son. I waited for him 30 years. It's not the same. This is the level of Abraham Avinu. Waited for his son 99 years. And in the end, Hashem said, go and take him and kill him. And he runs with happiness five in the morning to do it. No questions asked. After Hashem warned him, tell everyone not to kill their babies. I don't, I'm not interested in this. And he comes to him, take your son and kill him. What a test. Not one beep. And then when Hashem told him, don't touch him, you pass the test, he argued with him. No, let me make a scratch at least. That I do the mitzvah a little bit, partially. Say, no, no, don't touch him. That's a love. And... When you have only one kid, after many years you waited for him, every beep he makes is special for you. He say one word, who cares? If you had 10 kids, you care that he say the word? Not excited. He say, mommy, whoa, you make a party. Make a cake, bring candles, why? He say a word. Tomorrow another word, another party. Special, no? Ah, you know, the people who have only one kid, they buy the whole toy store for him. Usually families that have one kid has more toys than family with seven kids. <laughs> the one gets much more. So, someone who loves his creator, a real love, not love that is, more, is, is, is energized by interest, personal interest. What do I get from him? Oh, Parnasa is good years, good month, business is booming, now I love you. What happened next year when business is not booming? Ah, you forgot his name, okay. will never neglect one tiny mitzvah, ever, unless he will be really forced. Nobody would have to convince him to do it. The opposite, he would run to search, where can I do more? To search, and nothing will prevent him from doing it. He will always succeed. As David Amelech, King David, said in Psalms 42, verse 2, The same way a deer is standing by the, by the lake, waiting for the water, that he can drink the water. This is how thirsty I am for your Torah and your mitzvot, King David wrote to God. When will I come and glue to you, finally, 
for eternity. נכספה וגם קלטה נפשי לחצרות השם. My soul is thirsty and anxious to the yeshiva, to the Torah, לחצרות השם. צמא לך נפשי, קמא לך בשרי. Every inch of my body is thirsty and hungry for you, God. This is what the prophet Isaiah wrote, Isaiah 26, verse 8. Your memory and your name is my only desire. Nothing else. No cakes, no meat, no sport, none of this nonsense. Only to you, God. And also, I'm so anxious to you at night. In the morning also, when my soul returns back to my body, when I get up, first thing I do is I'm thirsty and hungry for you. My desire is booming to you, God. What is it like? A person that has a, a first love, and then she dumped him. She told him before he went, he's supposed to go to sleep. He was ready to go to bed. Listen, it's not going to work. Don't bother me anymore. Goodbye. Can you fall asleep? What happened? It's sick. It's 3 o'clock at night. You have school tomorrow. School. Cares about school right now. So this is what he writes. Before I go to sleep, I'm so hungry and thirsty for you. And when first thing I open my eyes is first thing I think. This is exactly how a person, when a person has this desire, first thing he gets up in the morning. Some people are so in love with food, before they even open their eyes, they're already by the drawer cutting bread. You know, some people are so in love with their cigarettes, in the middle of the night, he gets up to smoke by the balcony and returns to sleep. His desire to the cigarette is so strong. First thing in the morning, what do they do? You hear their coughing. What happened? Cigarette and coffee. You cannot start the day without it. Imagine if a person had such desire to Hashem, how great life would be. So, my only toy, my only game is your Torah and mitzvot Hashem. This love, we have to make sure that it's not a dependable love. It does not depend, it's not conditional or subject to any condition. Which means whether I'm rich, whether I'm poor, I love you the same. Whether I'm healthy, whether I'm sick, I love you the same. I'm married or single, I love you the same. I have kids, I don't have kids, I love you the same. Things work out my way, I love you. They don't work out at all my way, I love you. It doesn't matter. Nothing that happens to me changes the status of my 100% devotion and love to you, Hashem. That's the ultimate level. Not because he, you love him, not because he made you wealthy. That's also a nice level. There are so many ungrateful people out there, I wish they'll be at least loving Hashem for the greatness he gave them, for the oxygen they breathe. That's called ungratefulness. I mean, gratefulness. Most people are ungrateful, unfortunately. But even that, it's not a great level. But you only serve God because you appreciate what he gave you. It has to be much higher than this. I serve you because that's the truth, because that's the purpose of the creation, and I'm honored to do it. Whatever I get, doesn't get, doesn't matter. That's already besides the point. Everything I get will not be covering even the opportunity to keep one tiny mitzvah. So what am I calculating? I have, I don't have, I got paid, I didn't get paid. It's nonsense. So, like a father who loves his son unconditionally. You love him whether he's handsome, whether he's ugly. It's your son. Well, what are you going to do? You only love him if he, lo he looks nice? 
You love him if he's a little bit heavy. You love him if he's too skinny. Still love him. You love him if he's a boy. You love him if he's a girl. You love him if he's very smart. You love him if he's dumb. It's your son. That's it. That's what you have, and you love him. That's nature. The animals love their babies. The animals give their life. The mothers, they give their life for their babies. It's a natural love. That's how we have to aim, to love God naturally. That is going to be in our genes. And this test of love, when do you know if you're really a lover of Hashem? In times of trouble, times of problems, when things do not work your way, and everything you expect to get, none of it you get, and the frustration is accumulating, and you're already 10 years going on dates, and you still didn't find your soulmate, and you're trying business here, business there, and you're constantly failing, and you owe money, and supposedly nothing is working for you. Now it's the time to love God the most, and that's really the test. Well, when everything works out, no, very good. Everyone would love God when he gives them plenty. Why not to? Is there any reason not to? The, the test is when things do not work your way. In Hebrew, there's a word, tochnit kebakashatcha. They have shows on the radio. You make the request, and we play the music according to your request. You play the flute, and we dance according to your music. It doesn't work with Hashem. We don't have permission to play music and expect Him to dance for us. Okay, and uh, we're not allowed to test Him. We're not allowed to sit and look at the watch. No, when is my reward coming already? That's not, that's not what life is all about. As Chazal says in Agmara in Masechet Brachot, chapter of Brachot, page 54, The Torah says you should love your God with all your heart, all your soul, even take away your soul, which means kills you. Still love him to the last second. When all your money, you're willing to give everything not to violate one sin. Everything that comes from heaven, for sure, it's for your benefit. You may not see it right now. Don't ever hesitate to think that that's the right thing. Even the suffering that you're going through right now, it's all for your own good. You just don't understand it yet. But trust God that he does it for your own benefits. And this is the real good, which you don't see right now. Many of the things that you think they're good, they're really poison for you. But what God does for you always adjusts you to the right way. Many times you missed an exit and the GPS gives you a silly direction. It looks at the direction and says, crazy, how he wants to take me there. Later you understand that he saved you two hours because the way you wanted to go was a disaster. The system knows better than you. You don't have the ability of this genius computer. Obviously, it's needless to say, if Hashem does something for you, you may understand it in 20 years from now. And you may not. You'll see it when you die. One way or the other, you see, it was for your own benefits. Sometimes you make such a sin, it was either this or dying. You don't think that the other option was to die. So you look at your sickness and you think, it's no justice. Why God is doing it for me? You understand? So it's in the end, no matter what you do, it's always the best scenario for you, the best. So it says, just like a doctor cuts, open up the chest, open the skin, cutting, sewing, cutting uh, the leg of someone. If someone doesn't understand, he said, what a cruel doctor, he chopped his leg off. Fool, if he won't chop his leg off in three weeks, he will be, de will be dead. That's what saved his life. Even though it looks like a cruel act, 
with no mercy. It's 100% mercy and benefit. A patient that the doctor chop his leg off, love him or hate him? How can you love someone who chop your leg off? You crazy? What are you, masochist? What's going on here? You fool, if you wouldn't chop my leg off, you won't be talking to me now. But not everyone understands that. The opposite, he would love this doctor for the rest of his life. When a person would think clearly how much God is doing for him, how much, whether it's for his body, for his wealth, for his uh, parnassah, and will understand that it's all for his good, it would make his love to Hashem even stronger. But people with the right mind, the right level, don't need this calculation, how much God is doing for me. That's not the ideal level, no. That's for ordinary people. Hey, God is doing so much for me. He gives me oxygen, he gives me money, he gives me health, he gives me wife, he gives me children, he gives me car. So many things, the list is endless. Won't I do a few mitzvot for him per day? Come on, you gotta be, you gotta be kidding. But people in higher level, they don't even need all these justifications. One way or the other, they'll do no matter what, because it doesn't come to, okay, let's calculate how much I owe God. Based on that, I know how much to keep. They don't need all this. They will always aim to the highest level of service. There are three, three languages, three languages of love the Torah is using. One is, one, one is it's called dvekut, sticking to Hashem, chashika, desire to Hashem, and chafitza, interest in Hashem. Sticking to Him, desiring Him, and wanting Him. You know, and what is it? One, it says, if do et Hashem besimcha, bow lefanav birnana. It's in Psalms 100, verse 2. Serve God with happiness, with joy, and come in front of Him with happiness. Serve Him with joy, comes in front of Him with happiness. Also in Psalms 68, verse 4. Righteous people would always be happy and dance in front of Hashem with happiness. Why? Just that they are able to serve him, nothing else. For that, etc. One time I told the story, the Maharil Midiskin was a very big rabbi, and he was in town and he heard that his aunt, she's hospitalized already for a while, and he went to the hospital to visit his aunt, and he saw that she's all connected to machines and she can't even go to the bathroom. So they have a tube that comes into a bag. Horrible situation, the smell and the dirt in the hospital. He felt very depressed to see the situation. So after that, he came. She was very happy to see him. She's lonely there in her room. So she said to him, give me a blessing that I should live long life. And he told her, I don't understand who wants to stay alive in your situation. Every moment here is a nightmare. It's getting home. It's hell right here. I mean, I mean, thinking to himself, if I was in this situation, I would pray to Hashem to take me away from here, to end this misery. So she got angry at him. So she told him, shame on you. Once a week, the nurse come and replace the bag with the bathroom that I made and put a new one. 
and I have two to three hours time that I can finally pray. Because all week, if all the dirt from the bathroom attached to your body, you cannot pray. You cannot pray inside the bathroom. It's in disrespect. But this two or three hours, I have time to praise Hashem, to read Psalms, to tell Him how much I love Him. And you tell me I should die young. I shouldn't live long. What, two or three hours a week, it's something that uh, it's not worthy enough for you? You understand what a message he got from his aunt? She wasn't a yeshiva learner. Just an ordinary woman with faith, like our mothers used to be. And that's when he learned perhaps the, the biggest message he ever got in his life. Even if you have two hours a week and the rest is a waste of time, you're laying in bed with all the dirt, there's nothing you can do. You cannot learn, you cannot pray, you cannot do anything. You suffer in bed all week. Such boring life. Two hours, you have time to talk to God and tell him how much you love him. It's not just another thing. People don't appreciate the opportunity they have. But isn't it better to take the suffering now than take it later on? Of course, that's besides the point. But we are now talking about not appreciating the suffering as a benefit to us. This is a different topic. We're now talking about the love of Hashem, being a servant unconditionally of your Creator. So, one more thing, uh, the Shekhinah, the Spirit of God, cannot be among a person unless if he's happy. If he's depressed or sad, he disappears right away. The special holiness that he has is gone. Siata Dishmaya that he has is down. The holy vision that he had and to see things that other people cannot see, he goes into sadness, is gone. That's why a person always has to be always in happiness. Always to be in Simcha. Then, in song, Songs of Songs, King Solomon, chapter 1, verse 4, it says like this, Moshcheni acharecha narutza, pull me after you that I should run. Eviani amelech hadarav, the king brought me into his room. Nagila venismecha bach, just letting me visit in your personal room, I'm dancing and happy just for that. Nothing else, he didn't give me anything. Just allow me to come as close like this to you, to your room. That's an analogy. It's a parable. If the king, you know what, forget the king. If Obama would invite you to the White House, or even you went with a group of students from your school, they have a visitation to the White House, and Obama will pick you. You, come, I want to show you my bedroom. Takes you into his bedroom, and you see the king bed and all these fancy schmancy things there. And nobody else got there, but you went into his bedroom. Big deal, what an honor. Wouldn't you be excited for a few weeks to tell the whole world? You put it everywhere on your Facebook pages, this, write an article. You put flyers with your picture with Obama in his bedroom all over the world. Right? I went there and you didn't. That's how people think, at least. So this is in a parable. Hashem brought me so close to him. Just for that I should dance, which means we were picked as Jews. We are in the bedroom of God, supposedly. That's the message here. Just for that alone, you gotta be running on the street like crazy and dancing on the top of your car. Not thinking what people think about you. When you win the lottery, you run in the street like crazy. People think you're crazy, you care? I have $300 million, why do I care what you think about me? That's why I run like crazy on the street. Gotta take the energy, the too much happiness gathered in my heart. If, if I won't run like crazy, it will explode and kill me. Heart attack, whatever. Same thing with anger. Sometimes a person feels, if I won't scream and bang my, the wall here, who knows what's going to happen next? 
It's energy that you have to release. Ismach Israel Be'osav, the nation of Israel should rejoice in their creator. The children of Zion should be dancing with their king. King David got to this level. Read Tehillim, read Psalms, you understand. And this is what he says, talking to you, Hashem, is the sweetest thing in my life. How many people suffer when they come to Shul? Another five minutes now, Hashem. Like this? What is this? Another person come is in a moon. You can see one hour. You saw Rabbi Moshe Malka, how we pray? You gotta see a message for life, two, three hours. Everyone left, people already finished dinner, they already wear their pyjama still in a synagogue, talking with sometimes tears of joy, talking, um, such relationship. You saw the other Hasid that I show in the video, how he runs and jump and dance and cry and laugh. Connection from the heart, not like a robot. What did you say, Moshe? I was thinking about my stock is going down today like crazy. That's really what he does in the middle of the prayer. His customer waiting in a barber shop. I hope the customer won't get angry. But Hashem will get angry, it's fine. But the customer won't get angry. Rabbi, can I skip Mincha sometimes when I have too many customers? Ah, he wants to make 20 more bucks. Maybe two or three customers would step out. So he sells God for 20 bucks. The one who gives him everything he has, the, the well that he gets everything from there, he throw poison into the well in order for him to dig a hole and maybe find water somewhere in the desert. This is really the comparison here. So, I'll come to the altar of God. That's my happiness in life. I will play violin for you, my God. I love you so much. And then he says, My lips are singing by themselves. I don't have to move them. They already know the job. Because I want to sing to you all the time that you redeem my soul. That the happiness is created naturally already from inside, automatically already from doing it so well that the thing are running and singing by themselves and the happiness only rising and rising and rising. And this is what the Torah said to Deuteronomy 28, verse 47, All the sufferings and tragedies that you have is not because you did not listen to me and follow my instruction. You did. You did, at least those days they did. Today they don't do even this. But at that time they did. Why? Because you did not do it with happiness. For that I'm very upset with you. Why? If you appreciate the opportunity I gave you, the Jews, to be my children, you would be running and dancing every second for having this opportunity. Because you did it just because you had to, not because you wanted to and you did not do it with happiness, for that I will judge you and be strict with you for not doing it right. So it's not that they did not do, they did, but not right. 
to do it right is to appreciate the opportunity that you have. And also, when King David saw the nation of Israel, that they volunteer and they give and they donate so much money for the creation of the temple, he started to pray to Hashem, make sure that they stay in this level for eternity. I saw them so happy to volunteer and to donate money to your holy temple in Jerusalem, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our father. Please keep this forever. To create the thoughts of your children, of your nation, and the heart should always be towards you. And the third category, as I said, is jealousy, but not jealousy, zealous, being zealous. When a person have pain when he see people rebel against God. When someone put a sign against God, he has to burn his heart. When someone does not listen to God and does everything the Torah say not to do, it has to hurt him. If someone spits in your father's face, it hurts you. If it doesn't hurt you, that means you don't love your father and there's no other way in between. You love him, it hurts you. Someone embarrassed your mother, it hurts you. Someone embarrassed your son, it hurts you. If he did not hurt you, it's a sign you don't love him. You're egoistic, you don't care about anyone. Sonet mesanav, hate the haters of God, will do everything you can to fight and destroy them. Why? Because they go against God. If I love God, I have to destroy them. Cannot see them around making fun and jokes against the Torah. This is an indication that you're really a lover of Hashem. Destroy, I didn't mean kill physically. I mean destroy, it means block their mouth, that they weren't able to, to do anything in any way possible. One, that the honor of God will multiply in the world. And this is what King David wrote in Psalms 139, verse 21. God, you know how much I hate your haters. And those who speak against you, I'll fight physically against them, if I have to, just to block their mouth. I hate them more than any words can describe the hatred that I had towards these wicked people. And Eliyahu, Elijah, the, the prophet, in Kings, Kings uh, verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 10, I'm very zealous to God. Etc. And we also saw how much reward he got for being zealous to God. Eliyahu Navi, Elijah. Every word that came out of his mouth was a, a blessing. He's a Gilgul of Pinchas. Pinchas, Elijah. There's a parasha in the Torah after him. And Chazal, our sages, spoke constantly against someone who can talk to the wicked people to stop what they're doing, and he doesn't do it. If a person can give a little bit from his millions to help the ones who try to correct the evil way of people in this world, Jews and non-Jews, he can sponsor and he doesn't. That means he's not a lover of Hashem. There's no in-between. If you have $10 million and someone asks you for $5,000 to make CDs and you play games, that means you hate God. There's no in-between. You don't love him. If there's an opportunity to save 100 Jews from being Mechalel Shabbat or Mary Christine, and you don't care, and tomorrow you're going to spend $1,000 on a lousy lunch, how can you call yourself religious? Shame on you. 
It's not religious. You're a hater of God, just like them. That's why you don't want to make them stop doing what they do. If you really love God, you would sleep at night when Itzik is about to marry Christine. Can you fall asleep when you know God is crying for his children who gets lost? When you know so many Jews on Shabbat goes to the beach instead of to the synagogue, and there's someone who can prevent some of them at least. Some of them. There's no 100% success. But someone who can prevent 5% of them from doing it. How can you not volunteer to help? You don't have, you don't have. At least you pray. Use your words, your lips, something. Make phone calls. Organize lecture. Bring some friends to the lecture. Do something. Clean the shul. Put chairs. Do something. Participate in this war against the evil people and the wicked people. No, you are busy with your stomach and your sushi. You don't have time for Hashem, for the Torah. This is what it is. And the punishment of these people he is just as guilty as the sinners, nothing better than them. Next time when people ask you, how so many religious people died in the Holocaust? One of the reasons, there's many reasons, but one of the reasons is many of these religious people were very religious for themselves and from their own family, and that's it. They did nothing to save other Jews who went and became goyim in Germany and in other countries in Europe. If they would do something to prevent what happened in Europe in those years, it maybe would end different. But when we don't care about what other Jews do, and we don't do anything to correct their evil way, we're just as guilty as them. It's not an exaggeration. That's the law. It's the law. That's what the Torah say. What does it say? That you won't be responsible for his sins. If you correct his evil way, you're not responsible for his sins. You don't correct, you're responsible for his sins. That's it, one way or the other. Someone who loves his friend, can he see people beat him up? Can he sit and smoke his cigar when someone beat up your friend and, be, and kick him on the street? How can you feel? Uh, can you eat your steak? Oh, you waited for this take a week. And then you see from the window of the restaurant that someone beat up your friend, break his head off. Can you continue to cut the steak nicely? Oh, delicious steak. You don't enjoy the steak anymore, even if it costs you $500. You run outside, you scream, police, 911, you do something, you pick up a rock, you throw it at the person, you do something. You know, you cannot do anything, at least you, you try to scream, you do something. Or you cry. Once some emotion has to come out, you sit like a rock and continue to eat your steak, you're like the Nazis. What did the Nazis do? They took the baby, put it in the oven, and say, Duncan Shen. That's what it was. Put a little two-month-old baby inside the, the gas chambers and smoke the cigar. And, and, and if the dog got hit, oh, wow, they cry for the dog. So what are you better than him? If you see the Jews destroy the eternity and you have millions of dollars laying in your Swiss accounts and the rabbis come and beg you help, help to spread some Torah, to make some CDs, books, something. Ah, oh, no. Rabbi, there are other things. I have my obligations. I have answers, believe me. I know what to say. They train themselves all day. What would I say when the rabbis would need money for their job? I already know. I'm trained already. What to say? You wake him up at 2 o'clock at night, he already has his speeches. And he fooled the whole world, but he cannot fool Hashem. 
Stinginess is a mental disease. You should know it. If you're stingy, that means you're sick. You need help. And the way to get cure is through the Torah and Musar, ethics. You don't learn Musar, you'll stay stingy for the rest of your life. You fail in your life. Hashem gave you money to do something positive with it, not to accumulate it in some bank accounts. Use the money, enjoy it. Hashem said, I'm giving you bread from heaven every day. Don't save for tomorrow. Enjoy from it. Today, tomorrow, it's another day. I'll feed you tomorrow also. Don't worry. Enjoy. People save, save, save. One day they die. They don't enjoy the money. I just came from Brooklyn now. I gave a lecture in the sitting Shiva there. Six o'clock. Packed. Big house. Packed with people. The person passed away as a friend of mine. 63 years old. What did he enjoy from life? Short life. Person die young. He, he, when his soul comes out, he realized now he say goodbye to all his money. What a disappointment. Didn't even have time to retire, to enjoy the money. But if a person would invest all his money, at least he won't eat his heart. At least I'm taking the money for the world of eternity. Don't have to kill myself. Well, I left a few dollars in the bank, fine. But all my life, I used the money. I did. I sponsored Torah. I saved souls. I have a thousand ballet tshuva for my money. Now at least I have what to take with me. But the Satan won't let you do it. It will fight to the end against these things. Why? It's a continuous profit. One time mitzvah, he'll surrender to you here and there. It's one time mitzvah and it's over. Okay, so you got a one time reward you got. Then tomorrow you do again, second reward. Another time, three rewards. But someone who become Baal Shuvah, become religious, will generate rewards for you every hour for eternity. Him, his children, you think the Satan will let you do it easy? If it's easy, something is fishy here. It's fishy. Then, so if someone who beat up your friend, you cannot stay and enjoy your lunch. If someone disrespect God, can you focus in your life as usual, like nothing is happening? King Solomon wrote in Mishlei. How do you say Mishlei in English? Mishlei. Nobody knows. Mishlei 28. People who left God's Torah praise the wicked people. It's not talking about secular Jews. Make no mistake, this was 3,000 years ago. It was very hard to find secular people. It's talking about us. They're supposedly religious people that don't have time for Hashem. They're busy in 47th Street all day selling gold. They don't have time for Torah. And tomorrow when they come on Shabbat to the shul, when someone fights with the rabbi, that the rabbi says, what's the Torah say to do? And a wealthy person from the crowd wants to do it his way. Who do you think this person would support? Not the rabbi, support the, the wealthy guy. This is what King Solomon warned from. When you leave the Torah, you don't become just an ignorant Jew. You become the enemy of God. And tomorrow someone goes against God's messenger with the rabbi of the place. What do you do? You support him. You give him money. You put flyers. You give him all your energy. Not to talk about the gossip and all the other things that you do. Osvei Torah and the ones who learn Torah, Shomrei Torah, Itgarubam, will go and battle to a battle against them. Will not be afraid. They'll support the Torah, they'll support the rabbis. 
כי אותם שמהללים רשע ברשעותו, someone who praised the wicked person lost their power to improve them. They'll never tell them anything about their spiritual defects. They, and they, it's like taking the Torah, opening it on the street, and stepping over it with your shoes, praising the wicked people. It's not a Shomer Shabbos, but he's a good person, Rabbi. How can you say such a thing? If a person spits in God's face and doesn't keep his covenant, how can you call him a good person? How do you have the nerve to call him a good person? Don't say anything. Don't say he's wicked, but don't say he's a good person. Cannot be good when he rebel against God. Cannot be good. Just because he's nice to people and he's against his creator, he's an ungrateful person. What reward he deserve? Why are you praising him? You're embarrassed to talk against him? Fine. Be quiet. Don't come and say, hey, you know, he's, a, he's not a religious person, but he's a fantastic human being. You hear it all the time. Who say it? Religious people. I one time heard some rabbi, it doesn't leave my head, I'm telling you, I heard it maybe two, three years ago. I don't think there was one day I don't think about that speech, how angry it got me. One famous rabbi, 40 minutes in his tape, is sitting with a bunch of 30 or 40 millionaires, all of them extremely wicked. Not only wicked and mechalelei Shabbat and thieves and who knows what, they do all the war sins in the Torah every hour. But they give money to relax their conscience here and there. They give nice checks to his organization, whatever. So he put all of them in a dinner and he made a tape. It's one thing, you did it in your living room that nobody saw. It's only you and the wicked people. And you praise them to their face. But no, it didn't go to the world. So it's really not that much of a Chilul Hashem. The world didn't hear it. But he made sure to make a CD and give thousands of them everywhere that everyone will see the hypocrisy of the, of the face of some of these people. This tzaddik, wow, this tzaddik, this tzaddik, this one is a soccer coach that has a team that brings 20,000 people every Shabbat in Israel to violate Shabbat, to destroy the Torah, to step on the Torah, and he's a major player in this horrible Khilul Hashem. He calls him tzaddik. Tzaddik he calls him. Much like Moshe Rabbeinu he made him for bringing 20,000 Jews with cars into the soccer field, that they scream and curse and fight and kill each other with blood, with police. That's, he call him tzaddik. Another one living with a Goya girlfriend, smoking on Shabbat, full of tattoos, call him tzaddik. You understand what's happening today? This is why nobody respects some of the good rabbis, because the fake ones ruins the reputation of the good ones. And the audience, the people, cannot tell the difference between a rat to a diamond. And for them, it's all the same. Why? Because they have beards. The beards makes you what you are. But people don't really see into the roots of the thing, that sometimes a person can look holy, but he's rotten. Sometimes it doesn't look so holy, but he's really holy. And that's what's happening today. And because of mistakes like this that people do, what happened in the end? Nobody respects the Torah. This is what the Ramchal warned from 250 years ago. They praise him. You're great. You're tzaddik. You're helping our yeshiva. Be quiet. Make sure nobody knows that you take money from him. It's not an honor to write a sign and put it on a wall. They came to Rav, um, Rav Kaminetsky, Zecher Tzaddik Levracha. 
extremely big holy kosher tzaddik that lived in Mansi, passed away about 20 years ago, 93 years old, 97 years old. They wanted to build a yeshiva in Monsi Bed David, the major yeshiva for kids, elementary school, high school. Bed David, everyone knows, the major yeshiva until today in Monsi. So they came to him and said, we're expanding the yeshiva, we're moving to a big facility, we need millions of dollars. This was more than 20 years ago. And we have one Jew who married to a non-Jewish woman, is not Shomer Shabbos, is willing to give us all the money in one check. That we don't have to do fundraising and run for years and collect money dollar by dollar. Give us all the money, millions of dollars, and he only, all he wants is to put his name on a building. Can we do it or not? The rabbi said, absolutely not. What do you need to build yeshiva and give and praise the wicked person that he built the yeshiva for you? You couldn't find it from the righteous people? Such a chilul Hashem? What kind of blessing is going to be in this yeshiva to do such a horrible thing? So I said, Rabbi, you're right. We're sorry that we asked. Fine. Then they went to this person and said, thank you very much. We appreciate your kindness. But it's against the rule. We cannot do it. Why? Because everyone knows that you're violating the major rules of the Torah. Cannot take money from you. So what happened? He realized. He said, okay, you're right. The rabbi is right. Don't put my name on the building. I'll give you the money. That's okay. That's okay. I'll, you don't have to put my name. They came back to the rabbi. So the rabbi told them, okay, now it's allowed. But if I would be you, I wouldn't even consider taking the money. Now it's allowed because there's no Hilul Hashem. Nobody knows where the money came from. You don't write a big uh, sign on the wall. Fine. But you trust Hashem, the money will come from a kosher source. And in the end, they collected all the money very fast with big miracles because they told him, no, thank you. It's a big test. You can do it. You have the whole money. You need millions of dollars. You have all the money in one check and you finish. No headaches of running, calling the builders. Ah, oh, checks. We short bank account. We have to stop the building. You know, in uh, the Bukharian neighborhoods in Yerushalayim, on the way from Rehova Vinadav all the way up to the yeshiva of Rabbi Kaduri, Alava Shalom, there's a big hill. That's a street, it's about a hundred yard street, very, very high hill. On the right side, there's a yeshiva that the Ashkenazim built. When they, when they wanted to build the place, they didn't have money. They needed $10,000 to dig the hole. And they say, we, are, we have 10,000, but we don't have money for, for anything. So should we pay the builder to come with the tractor and clean the area and, and make the nice hole and worry about the money later? But maybe we burn the 10,000 and we get stuck like this for years. Or first we collect all the money for the building and then when we have at least most of the money, we continue with the plan. It's a one step at a time. We have to trust Hashem. We start the building, Hashem will help us. So they dig the hole and guess what? they found a huge box of treasure from the times of the Ottomanic Turkish from 300 years ago, worth millions of dollars. Diamonds, rubies, all kinds of gold, antique. They found inside digging. <laughs> it was enough to build the whole place. They built the whole place. It's a true story. You go there, you remember, I gave you the address. You go from Barilan, you make a right in small street of Inadav, where Yeshivat Kafa Chaim, you go a little bit, you make a right, you go, there's a street, goes all the way directly to the yeshiva of Rabbi Kaduri, of the Kabbalists. Right there on the right, you see a big, nice building. I saw how they're building it. And my uncle, Alava Shalom, told me the story. You, see, you, never, you didn't hear that story, how they found the money to make the place? 
If Hashem wants, you build a place. Trust him and he'll give you what you need. Then, so it says like this. Praising the wicked people is destroying the Torah. Making Hilul Hashem. Making the hands of the observance of the Torah weak. You're making them weak. Why? Because you're praising the wrong people. So what do they think? What do the children think? Look at my father. All he talks about is successful business people. Righteous, wicked, he doesn't care. Respect them for how much money they have. Shame on you. That's your righteousness to praise someone that God gave him a few million dollars because he destroyed him from the life of eternity, so he pays him here. What you so, what you so impressed from him? Should cry for him. If you see a Mechalel Shabbat that has millions of dollars, he's the most miserable creature on earth. Because the Torah in the last three verses in Parashat Vaitchanan says clearly that Hashem pays them here short period of life to get rid of them and not let them enter life of eternity. I will not delay the payment of the wicked people. I'll pay them their reward to get rid of them. It's a verse in the Torah. Nobody can argue this rabbi thing left, this rabbi thing right. No rabbi has a say here. It's a verse in the written Torah. I'm paying the wicked people cash to their face for the little that I owe them, for the few mitzvot they did, that I have to get rid of them for eternity. That's why I'm doing it. So why are you jealous with him? That he has a nice Mercedes for 20 years? That's what you're jealous with? A big, beautiful house with some servants? A nice chandelier and Persian rugs? Where is it going to get him? Nowhere. I take the millions that Hashem gave him to get rid of him and materialize it and turn them into Torah and mitzvot. The plan will change because he won't be wicked anymore. At least you took the poison that Hashem gave you and turned it into gold. Hashem gave you a few million dollars to get rid of you. What did you do? You took most of it and built yeshivot, sponsor yeshivot, gave Torah, made CDs, make people religious, sponsor seminars. So Hashem said, oh, I gave you the money to get rid of you, but you made the money into a gold mine. You have billions of mitzvot now. Your status changed from wicked to righteous. Very simple. Even when the poison is on the way to you, you can turn it into gold. Just you use your head. So before we finish, this is, let's just finish this. It says like this. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu Eliyov. Hashem said to Eliyov, Job. Afetz evrot apecha ureko geve ashpileu. Take your anger and use it for all the proud people to put them down to earth. Take their nose down. Don't let them stay, be stuck up like they are. Fight against them. Bring them down from the tree. I cannot stand proud people. That's the bottom line here. Search for the proud people. Yov was the prophet, the most righteous person in the world at that time. Gentile, not a Jew. Gentile, goy. Make him surrender. Bury the wicked people down. Don't let them go high. Bury them together. Take their face and bury it to the ground. Don't be afraid of the wicked people. Is God speaking to Yov? He's telling him what these wicked people deserve to get. This is an indication that you love the truth when you cannot stand all these wicked people, not only 
that you cannot stand them, you run and kiss them and hug them and dance with them in a mixed wedding. Rabbi, respect, peace in the family. My uncles, what can I do? Your uncle spits in Hashem's face, you have to go and dance with them at the same time when they do it? Hide. Hide in Japan. Go, be in Japan for a week until the wedding is over. Find an excuse. Every lie is kosher. Every lie. You can pretend you went to a hospital even. Just not to participate in this moshav letzim. Mi shoevet boro be'emet, someone who loves his creator for real, he say, o'ave Hashem sinura, the obligation to the lovers of Hashem to hate all the evil and all the negative things in life. V'hine be'arnu adata, achasidut ma shetalui b'maaseh u'be'ofen ha'asiyah. Until now we explained a high level when a person does the ultimate requirement and the way he does it. Now we, let's talk about the intention. The person's intentions while he's doing it. What's on his mind? Do I do it for fame, for respect, for the people to kiss my hand, for the people to come that I give them bracha and I feel that I'm an angel? Or I do it because that's the truth and regardless what I get, don't get, doesn't really matter. You pay me, they don't pay me. All these things. So, this is it. It's obvious that someone who has in mind to serve God in front of his creator, that he should inherit heaven for the reward that God promised in the Torah. And to visit the world of God and to receive his reward in the afterlife, we cannot say that is a bad intention. It's egoistic intention, but we cannot say it's a sin. Why are you keeping Shabbat? Because Hashem promised a huge reward. Fine, kosher. I cannot do anything against you. Why are you keeping Shabbat? I want to replace my lousy car. And Shabbat is the source of blessing in the Parnassah. So I hope that Hashem will give me money to buy a fancy car that I can drive smoother and faster to work without getting stuck in AAA every week. Why? What's the problem? It's not a sin. But we cannot say that it's the best way. It's somewhere average. It's not the best, it's not the worst. It's somewhere in between. Because until now, after all, a person is thinking about his own benefits, not purely about God, but what's going to come out for him in this deal. So, so far, after all, he's thinking, what's in it for me? Sometimes you see speakers. They are invited to speak somewhere. If they don't get paid, they don't come. How can it be? I don't understand. If you can take 50 Jews and five of them will become Shomer Shabbat just because you put some efforts for free, do you really think you can lose from it? Such nonsense. I don't understand. How much you want? $800. No, but they can only afford to give you 500 Okay, tell them to find a different speaker. This is a rabbi. This is the biggest fool on earth. You have an opportunity to make a trillion dollar and you, and you worry about a hundred or two or five hundred that people didn't pay you? How can it be such thing? That shows he doesn't have a munah in Hashem bechlal. And plus, he doesn't care that other Jews will die wicked for two, three, five hundred dollars. How to believe what's happening out there? So what's his excuse? I have seven children to feed. 
So who really feed your children? The people who sponsor the lecture or, or pay you money? They really the people who feed you? Hashem arrange you to get X amount of money. So with or without them, he'll give it to you. You don't work for them. You work for the creator of the world. What do you think? You think when you fix a car, really the, customer, the owner of the car is the one who pays you your salary? Hashem decided how much to give you, and now he's going to find his ways. You don't, if the people who owe you money don't pay you, he'll make you find a wallet. Don't worry. He has other ways. He doesn't need the job to get you the money. If he wants to give you the money, he'll give you the money. That's the bottom line. Get it through your head already. It's like a doctor. Someone comes to an emergency surgery and he doesn't have money. Imagine the doctor says, I'm sorry, I cannot treat you. Wow, it's three-hour surgery. So now he's worried about the money. There are people who does it. We're lucky that the, war, the law in the United States does not allow them to refuse. They have to first take care of you and then worry about the money. Imagine if it was up to them, ooh, many of the poor people would be dead a long time ago if that wouldn't be the law. That's the reason the hospital takes care of, take care of all kinds of immigrants that comes, they don't have ID, what? They first take care of them, then they worry about the money. There's nothing they can do. While civilized uh, society, we still are. We didn't lose completely our common sense. Life is still more important than collecting the money. But, but imagine the doctor saying, no, I'm very sorry. Go to a different doctor. Why you came to me? I cannot do the surgery. No, you're the best doctor. Help save the boy. No, no, I'm very sorry. It's $100,000, the surgery. You have an opportunity to save life. You worry about money. Do you understand what reward you're losing? If you're able to save life, maybe this boy... A big rabbi will come out of him one day, his son, grandson, would light the world with his Torah, it all go to your account. So what would be better, that you make the $5,000 for the surgery and lose this opportunity? That's the bottom line. You trust God or you don't. So after all, someone like that is thinking, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? So we cannot say it's the worst, but it's not the best. Why? Because the real intention of the Hasidim, the real extra high righteous people, that work very hard in their life to reach this level. They were not born with that. It doesn't come overnight. It's a very long process, very tiring process to get to this level of faith and confidence and do everything just for the sake of heaven. It's very high level, especially in this generation. It's very rare to find people like this. Is the ultimate level is that a person will be serving God just for his honor. That his honor will be spread in the entire world. That's all. Nothing else. And then he will desire praising God and making him famous among all the wicked people. That will change their evil way thanks to this. And will feel horrible that the honor of Hashem is being put down by all kinds of fake people who people think they're holy and in the end they make bad reputation to the name of God, what we call Hilul Hashem. And if a person serves only for this sake and feel horrible that other people do otherwise and putting himself down 
Sometimes a person can accidentally make sins, but if his mind constantly is for the sake of heaven, we have to know that no righteous person can live entire life without sinning. We make sins, we make mistakes. Impossible. But depend what's your general intention, your goal, your direction, your journey, to what direction, positive or not, for you or for God. Every Chacham that has Torah, but for real, because you really learned for the sake of heaven. And his heart is broken for the disrespect that God gets from people in this world. It's breaking his heart. And the dignity of the nation of Israel. And desire the honor of Jerusalem and the holy temple to be rebuilt. And the salvation, the Messiah and the salvation who will follow it and collections of all the Jews from all the exile back into the Holy Land, someone like that for sure will get the Holy Vision. Ruach HaKodesh. It's like I didn't say anything. I just gave you five or six things. Each one of them may take 20 years to reach. But that's a guarantee to have Ruach HaKodesh. Desiring God, desiring the Temple, desiring of Kibbutz Galuyot, all the Jews gather back to Israel, a broken heart for disrespecting God by other people, learning Torah for the sake of heaven, you get to Ruach HaKodesh. That's how was Chacham Ben Zion Abba Shaul. Why do you think he got Ruach HaKodesh? He had all these skills, everything. Torah for the sake of heaven. Broken heart for the disrespect that Hashem got. Broken heart. He one time went on the street, my cousin told me, and he saw that Chabad put a big sign of the rabbi, the Messiah, and he started to cry. So said, oh, what happened, rabbi? He said, my heart is broken for the Chilul Hashem, that the world is seeing all these things that are happening here. I put, making him there, that's it. We're serving this man. And this was a holy man. One time he, was, uh, he wanted to go to a wedding and, he, and everyone already went to the wedding. He came to the yeshiva. He's looking for a ride. And uh, he said, anyone goes to the, yeshiva, to the wedding? And one person said, I'm going. So you have a car? He said, no, I have a Vespa. Vespa is a scooter that has another uh, chair attached to it on the side. You know? So you have a scooter with an attachment on the side. So two people can go. You, the driver, and someone sits in a boat, in a box. So he didn't know what it is. So he said, well, what do you mean Vespa? He drives or doesn't drive? He said, yeah, he drives, but Rabbi, you know, it's open. Your head is out. You have to put a helmet, whatever. <laughs> you know, some half a helmet. He's a big Rabbi, Avbedin, the main judge of Yerushalayim. You know what it means to be a judge in a court? It's a thousand times harder than a judge in a Supreme Court. A thousand times is not an exaggeration with the amount of knowledge that you have to add in your head. So... So Rabbi, I feel, you know, not so comfortable putting, he says, ah, we have, to, we have to go do a mitzvah. That's the only way right now. Let's go. So he sits in a Vespa, and after 10, 20 blocks in Yerushalayim, he screamed, stop! And he came out, he took it off, and he's standing on the street crying. So what happened, Rabbi? He got nervous, the poor guy. He said, I didn't realize that he's disrespecting the Torah, what I just did. 
He was so humble. He didn't know the different Mercedes or this lousy. Not an angel. You did your best, fine. You prove to me that you are tzaddik. That's it. The rest is not in your hand. You don't have to finish the whole Torah. You have to learn Torah, the every open minute that you have. And you finish in the end of your life 10 pages. Your friend finished 10,000 pages. He's not more righteous than you. Don't worry about it. He maybe have more knowledge. You are in Shamaim higher than him. Why? Because you learn every minute of your life for the sake of heaven. You're not a genius, so you only learn 10 pages. Ah, there's thousands of pages you didn't even start. You don't have to finish. You don't have an obligation to finish the Torah. You have an obligation to learn Torah every day, and that's it. We're not comparing who has more knowledge in heaven. Only in this phony world, people compare how much you know. Over there, it doesn't matter what you know. It's how much efforts you put. Remember this in everything. Same thing, charity. You're a poor guy. You give $10 a, a day, it's Dhaka. I don't know, a week, whatever. But it's, a, it's painful because it, it costs you an hour of work to give every day. You give an hour of your day every day for Dhaka. Someone give 10000 a day. You're better than him because he makes it in a minute and you make it in an hour. So you give an hour and he gives a minute of his day. Who is higher? He gives a lot more. But you give a lot more from your blood. You are higher than me. Every Hasid should know that has his intention also for the sake of his generation and his nation to protect them with his mitzvot. It's a big responsibility. My children, my cousin, my friend, everyone benefits from me if I'm righteous. Why? Because I have an obligation. We are one unit. Every soldier, by him being a hero, is, is helping all the losers. Same thing in sport. There's one player, 10 loser, one bright player, great player. The one player can, can bring you the world championship. If he's a, he's a magician player or a great player, everyone else is an ordinary player. One player can make the whole difference. We saw in history of the sport, one great player got one championship after the other. The rest, all they have to do is to help a little bit. So one tzaddik, can change the entire world. We saw from Avram in, in Akash Baruch Hu. Avram said to him, Sodom and Gomorrah, maybe there are 10 righteous people. There's millions of wicked. He said, yeah, find me 10. I won't destroy the place. So we see that every one of us can save thousands. Hashem is not happy to destroy the wicked people like some people think. That's why we have every obligation to do everything we can to bring them back to righteousness to make them righteous, that they won't be destroyed for eternity. And if they are destroyed and we could have saved them and we didn't, we have a serious problem. Every righteous person should pray for his generation, that they all will make repentance and find positive things about them in his prayer that Hashem will have mercy on them. Right? But only the truth. Not allowed to say lies about a person that is wicked and all of a sudden you claim that he's righteous. No. Find one good thing about him and focus on that. But don't make up phony good things that are not exist by him. Only what's good. Is it generous? Say, Hashem, you know he's generous. You see, he's not so bad. Give him a chance. Yeah. But don't come and say he's generous when you know he's afraid to go to the bathroom that he won't have to eat again. Very stingy. And you all of a sudden call him generous. He's Mechalel Shabbat. You put him at the table and make a CD. The coach, the righteous coach. What righteous? He's not. He's Mechalel Shabbat. Find something else that he does good. Say something else. Don't call him tzaddik. It's not a tzaddik. It's mostly wicked. But find a good point about him. What? 
is a good husband. So say that. It's also good. It's mitzvah to be a good husband. Etc. Etc. He respects the Torah. He respects the rabbi. Well, find something about him and focus on that point. But don't call him righteous. It's a lie. And Hashem cannot stand lies and liars. And the last sentence for today, Ahu gavra de'ach le'arya berichuk lata parsem ined Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. One person was eaten by a lion few miles away from the house of Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. Ve'lo eshta Eliyahu be'adet lata yomi. Eliyahu anavi, Elijah used to come to Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi in a vision every day and teach him the secrets of Kabbalah and the Torah. After the lion ate a Jew in his neighborhood, for three days, Eliyahu Navi did not appear. After three days, he came, and he said to him, where, where did you go for three days? He said, I didn't want to come to you because someone in your neighborhood died, which means you did not pray enough for the people. And if you were trying a little harder, maybe your merit would save his life. So here is an proof that an obligation for every righteous Jew to save his neighborhood, to save his city, to save his country, and to save the world. And don't think, who am I? One person can save the world. One person can destroy the world. Look at Hitler in Machshimo. One person can save the world. Sure, in the time of King Hizkiyahu, every Jew was righteous when he was six years old already. They knew the entire Torah. One person. One person made everybody righteous. And this is it. Bezrat Hashem, we finish now chapter 19. Please remember next Monday, chapter uh, 20, Bezrat Hashem, Baruch Adonai Lolam, Amen Vamen.